today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. cup of joy and the cup of sorrow mingled together. That's the paradox of the Christian walk. That's what happens to the child of God, the son, the daughter of God. What happens is on this journey, God helps us in the midst of our trials. It doesn't mean that you ignore your trials, then you live in a fantasy world. Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see. You're changing our lives, so we can be our heads and feet. In First Peter, Peter writes that we are to rejoice in our trials. This seems paradoxical. How does one rejoice in suffering? In today's message, Pastor Ed teaches that the way we find joy in the middle of sorrow is to depend wholly on the Lord. As we are broken and made weak through trials, Jesus' mighty presence and power is made manifest in us. As we suffer, God gives us peace that the world cannot and does not have. In this way, we become living examples of Christ's hope for a desperate and dying world. And so, we rejoice. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. people simply make the mistake that when they get saved they're really going to go just sort of on a a cruise. It's not going to be that hard. Well, you'll hear evangelists and teachers and preachers that tell you if you have enough faith you'll be exempt from the trials and troubles that are part of the journey. Well, the apostles would disagree with them. And the word of God disagrees with them. Listen to what Acts 14, 22 says. They strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that they must, what? Suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Let me ask you a question. If you had a script given to you when your child was born, your son or your daughter, when that child was born, they gave you a script. And they had their whole life detailed out from childhood to elementary school to high school, throughout their lives. And it was all laid out there. And you were given an eraser. And they were to say to you, you have five minutes to edit it. To take out anything you want. And I think I have my son Ryan and my daughter Melissa. They've gone through some pretty rough times in their lives. Some real difficulties. I mean I I could erase not just sentences. But paragraphs. I might even take a few chapters out. But God who's much wiser than we are, allows and even uses the things that we would say, no, I don't want that. For example, Amy Carmichael. She was born in 1865. 
1867 rather. And she was born in Ireland. God called her to India. And she ministered to children, taking them off the streets. She formed a community and preached the gospel in all sorts of regions in India. And, and God used her in a powerful way. Well, she suffered a terrible accident. And for nearly two decades, she was bedridden. And she had to run the whole organization right from her room. And often in constant, continual pain. But her writings became devotionals that have inspired Christians for decades. I remember hearing Elizabeth Elliot, the wife of Jim Elliot, say how Amy Carmichael's life and writings helped her get through some difficult times. You remember her husband, Jim Elliot, was martyred as a missionary. If she had not gone through those hard places, those difficult times, we would not have those devotional writings. I mean, just take your eraser now. Go over Job's life. If you were to erase those difficult places, would we ever have the book of Job? Or how about Joseph? From the pit to the pinnacle. From the dungeon to the second most powerful man in all Egypt. Erase the betrayal. Erase the lies and slander against him. Erase the dungeon. What do you have? Our wise heavenly father knows how to utilize and use the things that we wouldn't really want, but God uses. John Ortberg said, God isn't at work producing the circumstances I want. God is at work in bad circumstances to produce the me he wants. What God is doing in the midst of those difficult, trying circumstances will only be understood in eternity. It's like the old story of the quilt, the beautiful quilt made. If you see the underside of it, it doesn't make sense. But when you see the top of it, you could see the, the patterns and the colors and uh, the knitting together of that unique uh, quilt. How do you handle your problems, handle your trials, and not let them handle you? Not let them bring you down, break you. Well, he gives biblical ways, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to help you and me in the midst of our trials. The very first thing that he tells us to do is to rejoice in our trials. Right there in verse 6. Also in verse 8. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trial, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. 
Now, notice what the text says there. Greatly rejoice, suffer grief. Greatly rejoice, suffer grief. It seems like two contradictory emotions, two contradictory things that are going on. On the one hand, really rejoicing in the Lord. On the other hand, sorrowful. The cup of joy and the cup of sorrow mingled together. That's the paradox of the Christian walk. That's what happens to the child of God, the son, the daughter of God. What happens is on this journey, God helps us in the midst of our trials. It doesn't mean that you ignore your trials, then you live in a fantasy world. It doesn't mean you deny that suffering happens, then you've created your own reality. But if you live in the real world, you're going to have to deal with trials that will come into your life. But God will help you to have joy in the midst of that trial. In the book of Thessalonians, Paul writes, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy, what? Given by the Holy Spirit. How do you sing on a better pain? Holy Spirit. How do you rejoice when one thing after another after another just goes wrong? The Holy Spirit. Now we're commanded to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. This is the will of God for you. To rejoice. You have to have a filter to see life through. You have to have a way of looking at life that will help you rejoice, a paradigm. I have traveled on the Metro North, like many of you, down to Grand Central Station. As I travel on the train, sometimes the sun is setting or rising, and, and so you determine where you want to sit on the train, what scenes you want to see. Well, look at the Hudson River, want to look at the mountains and some other things on the other side. And at times, we're on the train of life and we happen to sit on the side where the shadows are. And everything seems to look dark and dreary. But you could sit on the side where maybe the sun is rising or the sun is setting and enjoy the beauty of the ride. We could look at our trials and we could determine what we see and how we see them. Some people, in the midst of a trial, become bitter and their soul withers. Some people become better and their soul flourishes and they become fruitful in their pain. The secret is to rejoice in the variety of trials that come into our lives. That's what the text says. It says, we rejoice in the many kinds of trials. 
Notice the text again, verse 6. In this you rejoice, or in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. In the Greek language it means many colored trials. The idea is a variety of trials. Uh, There are disappointments that come into our life. We're disappointed with self or disappointed with others or disappointed the way things have worked out in situations. There are losses that we feel. Losses of loved ones, losses of jobs, losses of health. There's suffering of pain. There's sicknesses. On and on the list goes. I could give you the pen and you could fill a page and another page and another page. But in all of those varieties, those different types of trials, you can rejoice. No, no, no. no. I don't mean rejoice because of the trial. That's not what I'm saying. Don't rejoice over the bad things that come into our life. No, no, no. We rejoice that for every trial... God will give us a specific grace to meet that trial. I mean, there's a promise in the book for every circumstance you find yourself in. You rejoice that when you're going through that trial, you're not going through it alone. That someone is with you. Someone is beside you. The good shepherd is with you. See, these trials, amen, these trials... We can rejoice in them. They're many faceted. Life brings sorrows. And God gives joys. The fact that in that trial. You can say God I believe that you will complete the good work that you began in me. I believe that you will help me in the midst of this circumstance. And somehow. You're going to reveal your strength in my weakness. Somehow, you're going to help me to grow in this. Somehow, you're going to stretch, solidify my faith and my walk with you. You drink the cup of joy. You drink the cup of sorrow. They coexist in the Christian's life. Hard times, but yet an inner joy. Now, we rejoice in the variety of trials because the variety of God's grace and strength in there and help in there. But also we rejoice because God limits the trials. He puts limitations on them. It's right in the text. It says, we rejoice in the limitations of our trial. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. I like that phrase, now for a little while. Just think back, two years, five years, well, ten years. Remember some of the trials that you went through? Well, all right. Maybe you suffered a a sickness, or maybe you suffered some pain, or, or some disappointment, or some financial situation. Think about all the trials of your life. They have limitations. But you say, well, pastor, it's been not years, it's been decades. Well, sometimes it is that way. But in the midst of that, what you recognize is, he says, for a little while. Ah, here's a paradigm I'm looking at. 
Here's the filter I'm using. I recognize that this life is a moment. It's like a vapor. It's like a cloud in the sky. Here today, gone tomorrow. I recognize that 20 years in comparison to 20 millenniums, to 20,000 millenniums, to 20 trillion millenniums, I mean, that's eternity. It is only a little time in comparison to what God is doing. And so what Peter is saying, put it in perspective. Paul the Apostle puts it this way in the New Living Translation. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. What helps us is that this life is passing and and eternity is ahead of us. And he says, you could rejoice because God is in us, with us, in the midst of those very trials we experience. Uh, God limits those trials. It's only for a little time. And in the Greek language, you can't see it in the English language. But in verse 6 where it says, you may have had to suffer. The idea of may have is that God permits it. God may say, my son needs this. Oh God, I don't want that. My daughter, in order to perfect her, in order to refine her, I need to allow this. I know in recent years I've had trials that I never had earlier in life. And so I simply sat back and said, God, I thank you. I never experienced that earlier. I don't know if I could have handled it. But God has a purpose. He's, he's doing good things in us for all of us. And so we rejoice. When the tra- trial knocks on the door and he forces his way in, simply, Lord, you're going to help me with this one. You're going to prove yourself strong. God, your promise. I'm going to learn a new promise. I've never met this trial before, but God has a promise to stand on. When the trial comes in, you know he's not there to stay. You recognize that the trials are limited. And so you rejoice. There's a divine purpose. God is doing something in our lives. So we rejoice. That's how we handle it. But we also do something else. The text is clear. We recognize the purpose of God in the trial. We find purpose in our trials. It says, look at verse 7. They have come so that your faith Ah, that's it. God's interested in your faith. That it would be strong. In this present world, there's not much that we're going to take with us. Hold as tightly as you can to your retirement plan. 
It's not going to do you any good in the grave. The things that you hold on to in this world, when the curtain comes down and, and life is over, guess what? You leave it all behind and someone else has it. Someone else will live in your house. Someone else will drive your car if it's drivable. <laughs> You're going to leave it all behind. But what you do take is your faith. Your faith you take with you. See, it's not what's outside of you that you take. It's what's inside of you what you take. It's your faith, your trust, your relationship to God. That you take with you beyond this present life. That's the promise. Now, what's God going to do in that trial? He's going to grow, refine your faith. Again, look at the scripture text. The refining process of the test of our faith. It says, may be proved genuine. These have come that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine. The idea of the text is that God is going to purify you in the trial. It's like a refiner with gold. He heats up the gold He makes it hot and all the impurities, all of the alloys float to the top and he skims it until he can see his face in the gold. And what God does in our lives is this. The trials come. The tests come. And all of a sudden what comes to the top. Oh God, I didn't know I would ever say that. Oh God, I didn't know that was in me. Oh, God, I didn't realize I would have responded like that. God's refining. God's changing. God's cleansing. He is making your faith a genuine faith. He's preparing you for eternity. He's preparing you to be with Him forever. See, that's what's happening. God is saying, I'm refining your faith. And He tells us, that our faith has greater worth than gold. One of the greatest commodities in Peter's day was gold. It was a, a standard, and still even today, a standard. Listen, heaven has its streets lined with gold and paved with gold. Your faith is of greater worth than gold. That's going to determine so much about you and so much about your eternity. And so as you're going through the trial, God is developing your faith. A ship, if it just remains in the dock after it's built and is never sent out, how do you know if it's seaworthy? God sends us out in the storm and he tests us. Oh God, I don't like this. Son, I'm perfecting you. I'm refining you. I'm shaping you. I'm molding you. I'm working in you. Just trust me in it. See, see, God is doing something in us in the midst of all of that. You could have a profession of faith, but when you have a testimony of faith, oh man, that's different.
The book of 1 Peter reminds us that persecution is a part of each Christian's life. Jesus himself faced great opposition in his time, yet he never let it sway his position. As Pastor Ed has reminded us here on Building in Faith Radio, we can learn from Jesus' example and even draw strength from him when the world is turning against us. Jesus is our rock and our comforter and will always be with us. Pastor Ed Jones will continue teaching through the book of 1 Peter on the next edition of Building in Faith. But you can find more messages right now by visiting our website, buildinginfaithradio.com. Be sure to visit our homepage as well, where you will be greeted by a daily scripture and some exciting events coming up for us here at Faith Assembly. We know how important finding a home church is to the Christian walk. And if you've not yet found that for your own life, why not join us? We'd be honored to meet you and share a time of worship and Bible study with you. We gather together each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and again on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Location information and directions are on our website. That address again is buildinginfaithradio.com. As our time with you comes to a close today, we'd like to remind you that you are a child of God and you are valuable to Him. He is there for you always and will answer when you call on Him. May your journey with God be blessed. Pastor Ed will return soon for more from the book of 1 Peter on the next edition of Building in Faith. Your word restores and heals, transforms, rebuilds, and it makes a way that we can be building in faith, building in faith. Everybody wins when a leader gets better. Absolutely everyone. The stakes of leadership are sky high. Everyone has influence. Come to the Global Leadership Summit on August 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community. The summit features leaders like Bill Hybels, Sheryl Sandberg, Andy Stanley, and more. Experience the summit at Faith Assembly, Casper Kill Campus, Poughkeepsie, August 10th and 11th. Register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio, willowcreek.com summit.